often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 540. I'm your host, Josh Albrecht, recording once again inside the Slapbox Penthouse. I am recording this one on Festivus. That's right, Festivus. For the rest of us. On December 23rd, on the Friday. I usually record on Saturdays, but here I am on Festivus recording because, well, I got shit going on. The rest of the weekend, because there's also Christmas this weekend and such. I'm going to relatives. Going to see Shelly, uh, I guess, Sunday or so. I don't know, on Christmas Day. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that just yet. But uh, should should see him at some point this weekend on Christmas. So, I, I mean, since I, you know, by the time I release this, this will be Christmas Day, I guess, the day I post this. And so, Merry Christmas and Happy Festivus, Um, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, Happy Hanukkah, and uh, all those other holidays that I probably should know but don't, at least can't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) Ah, yes, but uh, speaking of Christmas and stuff, imagine I can say this because one, but when I release this, it will be Christmas Day. And I'll probably be seeing Chili that day. So I can say what I, I have uh, purchased him. And also, I don't think he really listens to this. Even though he's co-hosted a lot of the episodes of this show. I, I think I can fairly say he probably won't hear it. Um, at least to the best of my knowledge, he doesn't listen to this. He, <laughs> Anywho... Um, I uh, went ahead and bought him a record player. As uh, I, it's it's been a minute, I guess, since I get, gave him a gift. I don't usually shit a lot of years. I don't see him around Christmas time, so there's been plenty of years where I didn't bother getting a gift. <clears throat> anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, I got a record player and uh, Abbey Road on vinyl. Hopefully he'll he'll, uh, enjoy that one. Um, As I myself have bought more records, damn it. (laughs) This is an expensive habit to get into. You know, one or two is not bad, but you're out all the time. I'm not out all the time, though. That's going to be the saving grace, I think, is the fact that I just don't go out. Except for to Casey's. I I hit up the gas station Casey's a lot. (laughs) Thankfully, they haven't started selling vinyl. But, uh, as it were, uh, yeah, like, there's at least three places here in town, here in Washington, Missouri, that I'm aware of that sell vinyl. There might be one or two more that I'm just not aware of. Um, probably the best one is, uh, River City Music. There's the music shop where you can, of course, pick up guitars and other instruments, uh, there in the, uh, old Clock Tower Plaza next to, uh, well, right next to McDonald's here in Washmo, and it's uh, by over by uh, J.C. Penney and whatnot. The, where the old Walmart Supercenter was, 
if you're a longtime resident of the area. Uh, which that, that was in 92 or 93 that they built the super center there. It was the first one in the in the country. And uh, I'm not a fan of Walmart, so that really... Although back then, I guess I liked going to Walmart. Cause as a child, I liked going there because meant I could, you know, experience, at least see the toys and video games and shit that I wanted. I may not have been able to get them all the time, but uh, my parents, my mom at least, would buy me G.I. Joes on, on the fairly on the regular, so I at least got those. The video games, I mean, we had our fair share of those, but usually we rented. Those things were expensive even then. If I, if I recall, Super Mario Brothers 3, when it came out for the original Nintendo, was like $65 or something like that. 65 or $75, which is insane. If you, I don't know what the cost of that is with uh, inflation there, but this was in the late 80s, so like 89 or so that came out. I don't remember what year that came out. Maybe it was 90 or so. Either way, it was in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. I want to say it was in the late 80s. Um, shit, man, it was, it was fucking expensive. And you imagine back then there was far less people working on video games. It's crazy to think that <laughs> the price we pay for vid- most video games now is what we would have paid for like Super Mario Brothers 3 when it came out. Like that's fucking insane. Although now I guess they don't have to pay as much to certain places because most of it's digital now. They don't have to package it. I would imagine cartridges were probably more expensive to manufacture than, say, a DVD disc or, like, a Blu-ray type game. And then, you know, most of them, of course, still, you, you don't even need that. It's just strictly downloaded now, which you'd think they'd give you a discount if you just bought the downloaded version, but uh, no. <laughs> Although I think maybe they do on some, but usually it seems that that's not the case. Uh, yeah, anyway, vinyl, back to vinyl. So the places I can get it, River City Music, they have uh, new and used records there. Um, I would say more of them are new than used, but you can pick up used records there, um, which I have picked up two uh, used records, uh, one being uh, The Ventures, I guess like the best of the ventures sort of thing. The old surf rock band that uh, do instrumentals. There's like the tequila song on there. There's, you know, tequila. And uh, which is like the only word you ever hear in like a venture song is just the word tequila. That I'm aware of. I I couldn't tell you the whole ventures discography, but uh, there's that. They do Wipeout and their version of Wipeout. I don't know that there were the originals to do it. The, you know what? Come to think of it, Wipeout, you might be able to hear it in the Ventures version too. So as, <laughs> as soon as I say it with tequila, okay, so there might be like two words in all the Ventures songs. I'm not sure. Anywho. So I got that, the Ventures, and I just today picked up uh, possibly my favorite Beatles album of all time, which is Let It Be. 
And uh, it seems even more special now that the Disney Plus put out the uh, docu-series by Peter Jackson, Get Back, where they went back through all the footage they had filmed back in the day and uh, through hundreds of hours of footage and then restored it. It's fantastic if you love the Beatles and you haven't watched it, man. Fuck, watch that Get Back on Disney Plus. Um. But, uh, but yeah, I got Let It Be, and I was always a fan of Let It Be, even though it's hard to say a favorite Beatles album because I, I love a lot, like all of the Beatles shit, but I I had a particular fondness for Let It Be, I guess. Um, I, I guess I'd say it's my favorite, but even though I had read a lot about the Beatles and watched a lot of stuff on them, and the consensus was before the Get Back documentary that they really hate each other in the end and that uh, there was just a lot of negative energy, I guess, going around while they were recording Let It Be. But, like, listening to the album, I never got that. I mean, it's not that... (laughs) Not that I guess you could hear that, per se, in a recording, but uh, I know that if you smile while you're talking, it makes a difference because right now I am smiling as opposed to right now, I'm not smiling. Maybe you could hear that difference. Um, you tend to talk different. So, you know, but you can fake it, you know. I Even though if I'm just angry and I want to kill uh, every, you know, I don't know what. <laughs> Let's not say, because I don't want to, but uh, just want to go on some sick rampage or something. I do it with a smile and just, it can I can fake through it and just, any negative feelings just put a smile on and then who knows maybe they'll buy it or you know i guess you can suppress happiness too and then just but don't have a smile when you talk and just you know talk about how you love things and how great they are and all of that and just how fantastic life is in general <laughs> i'm yeah i might be doing other things in my voice there too let's <laughs> It's hard to say. I always did love the back in the, uh, when I used to watch a ton of late night television and uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, old announcer, which I don't know his name. It was, uh, it was, this was back when he was on NBC uh, following The Tonight Show uh, with Jay Leno. Back when he was late night with uh, Conan O'Brien and, uh, his announcer back in those days was was so fantastic, and uh, the other people have made you know jokes about about this. Uh, Don Pardo, which is probably my favorite announcer of all time, he was the longtime announcer for Saturday Night Live. Would do this as well, but uh, the Conan bit they used to do a lot was uh, have the announcer just talk about how horrible and horrendous his life is and how he wanted to die and <laughs> all this stuff. But he would do it with a smile on his face. Hey, Conan O'Brien. And he would talk and be like, my wife just left me. I cut myself every day. I drink until I puke and then pass out. And, uh, and all I want to do is die. But he'd do it with this, You, they would show him and he'd have just this big cheesy smile on his face. And it would sounded so positive. <laughs> so, so, so great. Ah, <laughs> uh, love I love good dark humor. Um 
It's also fun to, you know, kind of fuck with a dog like that. If like you, you could say like just horrible, horrendous stuff to a dog, but you do with it. Oh yeah. You're a good boy. Oh yeah. Do you want, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I can't think of anything negative to say to a dog right now. Cause you know, I really don't have anything negative. I would have say to dogs. Um, I like dogs. <laughs> I don't want to have one, but, uh, and also, if you tell them, like, you know, positive things, like, you're a good boy and stuff, you're a good boy, motherfucker. You're, well, I, <laughs> motherfucker may not be <laughs> all that, all that positive. Um, yeah, you're a good boy. And just, uh, you know, just do it angry. I almost sound like sexual, like, I want to fuck the dog. That's not it. I don't want to fuck a dog. Um, that, that's a different podcast. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the Adult Pet Finder podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Uh yeah, so I got some vinyl. Yeah, I got the 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 used ones I have I that I got from uh, River City, or, uh, Let It Be, and uh, the Ventures. But I of course did get uh, Tools Lateralis from there, as well as uh, I'm thinking, did I buy in? No, I guess that's all about all I I uh, got from River City. I did go to Target the other day and because uh, I was went there to pick up a, a record player for uh, Shelley is that's where I got my record player but they were out of record players apparently it's a, a hot ticket item for uh, Christmas and uh, they uh, did not have any and uh, but I went through their records and I did find on clearance Mr. Sam Cook like the best of it's a two two disc vinyl record deal uh double double lp whatever you want to call it um it's the best of like sam cook and i love me some sam cook uh you know one of the greatest singers of all fucking time he was big in the civil rights movement and in the end he was murdered he was murdered and the details on there are a bit sketch there's a lot of conspiracies rolling around it but uh he was, of course, murdered in a hotel with uh, this female that he had dinner with. And from all accounts at the restaurant, it seemed that she was into him and that she left willingly and went to uh, a hotel with him. And uh, <clears throat> he was quite the, shall we say, womanizer, I guess, that uh, he was married twice, and but apparently he had fooled around quite a bit. I mean, he was a musician. That's kind of, kind of goes hand in hand. A very, very popular musician. He was, again, just shit. You watch any fifties or sixties movie that takes place, uh, like period movies. Like I'm not saying any movie from the fifties, sixties. You might hear Sam Cooke, but I feel like, to put it in the mood, you know, for people making movies now, you got to have at least one Sam Cooke song in there. <clears throat> but. uh but yeah, he was murdered, and there's a there is a Netflix documentary called "The Killing of Two Killings of Sam Cooke," something like that, or "The Two Murders of Sam Cooke." Um, documentary, motherfucker. Um, do do do. The two, yeah, the two killings of Sam Cooke. 
remastered the two killings of Sam Cooke. I remember that being fairly good when I watched it. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, this woman had shot him dead. Well, there was a hotel manager too. This, I guess seedy motel where he was staying at with this, this lady friend of his. And, uh, the, uh, I guess it was the hotel manager is the one that actually shot him. But these two women, from what I understand, beforehand, before the whole uh, killing of Sam Cooke, which neither one of these ladies had any charges related to, um, or at least were found innocent if they went to trial over the killing of uh, Sam Cooke, but I don't even know if it even went to trial Um, because they claimed it was self-defense. They claimed that... uh, uh, the woman that was uh, went to his room that stayed with him and actually he was mad or something she she stole his clothes according to her she like stole his clothes but meant to just grab her own clothes but unintentionally grabbed his clothes with her with her own and then takes off and seeing that he didn't have any clothes he's agitated you know pissed off and he goes to and uh chase after apparently i guess she had taken his wallet too and uh he chased after her and then she went into the hotel manager's room and you know hey he's coming after me and then uh then the manager shot him but apparently in the past these two females, the manager at there at the hotel, she was, I guess, working as a madame, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> and the uh, other lady was had worked as a prostitute, and apparently they had ran scams on other people. And then it seems very likely that uh, they were trying to scam over uh, Sam Cook. Is apparently it was around Christmas time, so that's very convenient that I would be talking about it tonight um but uh he had a lot of money on him for christmas presents he was going to go buy christmas presents for i assume his children and uh and family and friends um and it's thought that uh he was murdered just to just for the cash he had on him <laughs> but uh but yeah, it sounds like, you know, but to me, there was at least some nefariousness there. And apparently, like, uh, there were people that had saw seen his body after the fact, said that there were wounds, like, all over him, like he had been beat pretty badly. Like, there was a lot more to what they admitted to than, or there was something way worse that happened than what the two ladies had described. Um, I don't know all the details and, uh, just know from watching a documentary or two. So, uh, and I haven't seen this stuff in quite a while. So my memory of it's already kind of foggy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's also conspiracies too, because he was big in the civil rights movement. He had donated a lot of money to, uh, I guess Martin Luther King Jr.'s, uh, parish, and stuff and with and also was really good friends with Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali where uh he went to quite a few uh, I believe of Ali's fights and everything and uh 
the you know the FBI back in the day, you know, probably even still today, day, but not not to the degree I wouldn't think today. But back back during the fifties and sixties, they uh they went after the black community pretty hard there, and uh, any of them that seemed like they might be a real problem, they uh, definitely. I, you know, I'm not saying they murdered him, but they're just, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to think that the FBI was involved somehow and in, in possibly the CIA and like murdering Sam Cooke. <clears throat> that, uh, that I don't know. <laughs> um, definitely does seem like there was an intentional murder, though, at least on those two ladies to probably, you know, get some cash. And, uh, which is, well, you know, it sucks, man. He's fucking Sam Cooke, dude. Great, great shit. Some great fucking music. Um, but yeah, that record's pretty fantastic. As uh, I was uh, listening to it with uh, Agent Fox Mulder by my side, as uh, he seemed to seem to enjoy it. As uh, and I oh, I also have the Tool album Opiate, which I got from uh, Barnes and Noble <laughs> before I got the record player. I was like, yeah, I got to get. Th- it was only nine dollars, or what? Maybe it was less than that. That's another shame, though. Buying used records at uh, River City when I got Let It Be. Clearly, whoever sold it to River City had bought this thing from Vintage Vinyl. Sadly, I live kind of far from Vintage Vinyl. It takes probably close to an hour to get there from here, um, by car, <laughs> and. Uh, Otherwise, I'd be hitting up vintage vinyl, you know. But uh, the price tag on it from vintage vinyl said like four dollars, or it was twenty dollars for me today. <laughs> By River City, I was like, man, you should probably at least take off that other price tag. I get it though. I mean, it's a Beatles album; it should be worth some money. And I'm what I'm thinking that whoever bought that for four dollars from vintage vinyl probably bought it from there quite a few years ago. <laughs> If they had a Let It Be Now on vinyl going in there, I would imagine it'd probably be more than four or five dollars, even with the used copy. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's I do dig some vinyl. I just might have to get a better record player though. <laughs> the stuff is uh sound quality on the speakers and whatnot is not say the greatest. Um, I haven't tried the Bluetooth speaker. I don't have like the greatest Bluetooth speaker, so I don't know how well it would sound if I did that. It is an option though. I did. I do have the Millennium Falcon one I have, but it's not a great speaker. I could try it with that. But uh, other than that, yeah, I don't think I have any other real like Bluetooth speakers. I might have like some cheap junk ones <clears throat> but uh they do have some uh other record players and stuff for sale at river city music which they got some used ones and it seems like they got some decent stuff they've got speakers of course and <clears throat> just like looking at it, it's like oh man i've just uh i that, that was the big re- the big reason i didn't want to get into vinyl is because i didn't want another expensive <laughs> like hobby Something to get into, and it's like shit going through. Like, man, well, that's you want a decent record player, you're gonna spend some money, 
And then you got to get speakers. And I mean, if you want to do the whole nine, you got to get the preamp, the speakers. There's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. And seeing how I've come so in tune with hitting the right tone and stuff on guitar and spending a lot of money doing that. When I hear the record, you know, I want good quality stuff. <laughs> I can really hear a lot of different stuff in music now that before maybe I wouldn't notice. Anywho. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, records. Uh, and, uh, man, I have watched, I'm up to date on the uh, new Willow show. As, uh, there's oh, five or six episodes now. I gotta say, it's an entertaining show. They capture, it seems... A lot like the original Willow. I like the fact that they are bringing back original characters that I wouldn't think that they would really have much in there. Like there's the Bav Morda, uh, the that died in the original film. She's in there, but like her, basically, I mean, they use footage from her from the original a little bit there. But they have tied that in a lot, and it seems like one of the main characters, I don't know her name, but she's the granddaughter of Bad Mora, uh, that uh, <clears throat> seems like she might turn to the dark side. It's almost like some Star Wars shit. <laughs> I get that kind of a feel to it. And then there's the General Kroll, I guess is his name. He's the guy in the original film that's wearing the skull mask, that awesome skull mask. And they kind of brought him back for a part and just a, a shadowy glimpse of like a ghost form ish and come to find out another character is his daughter and uh that's cool having those little tie-ins but it's kind of weird though <laughs> my biggest nitpick i guess i would say about the series is from uh, the f the fact that they have like like normal songs in there, not just compositions. Like there is a score to it that they do have, um, like orchestrated stuff and stuff in there, like the original film. And then there's all of a sudden there's like Black Hole Sun is in it. Which, don't get me wrong, I love the song Black Hole Song. It's actually a good cover. They have some really good covers of stuff. But it seems out of place for Willow. <laughs> it seems out of place. When I hear, like, fucking... When I hear Black Hole Sun and... and uh, fuck, I don't want to say Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> Might have been a thing in one of them. Maybe it wasn't Teenage Dirtbag. I just recently saw a teenage dirtbag in some kind of video. So that uh that definitely takes me out out of it though. Um as uh I don't want Willow. You bastards. <laughs> I can't spell series. Oh, yeah, I spelled it right. 
this is so weird. Uh, okay, I'm pulling up the soundtrack to it. And uh do 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 some weird shit. What the hell? Okay. Do do do. Just give me the song titles, you bastards. It's the Willows theme. The Hurdy Gurdy Man. That's it just there's a cover of Inner Sandman on one of them. They're Black Hole Sun. Which the I mean, it's a solid solid cover. Like good like reimagining, I guess, with the song. Crimson and Clover. <laughs> it it feels weird. Feels weird. Just having that in there. Um most of it's yeah, like some kind of orchestra type shit, but uh which is what I would expect, but it takes me out of it a little bit. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a Collider article about it. What's with the modern music needle drops in Willow? Uh, Each of them serves an important purpose within the context of Willow's story. When the Walt Disney Company officially purchased Lucasfilm in 2012, the first questions that rose to mind were regarding the future of the Star Wars franchise. Obviously, the galaxy far, far away was going to take a precedence in the $4 billion deal. But it now seems like Disney is turning its eyes to some of the other properties in the Lucasfilm archive. Fans have been clamoring about a continuation of the 1988 fantasy adventure Willow for years, and Disney Plus has finally begun releasing the sequel series of the same name. Yeah, days for returns. Get to the music here. Um, do to do. I don't care what it represents. Why are you? Yeah, this just feels weird. It doesn't really get into. Uh, it's just the kind of their take on. St- it doesn't really specify. I was wondering what. <laughs> it's like, what does it mean? I don't need to know what it means. I'm just wondering, like, why? It's just a weird choice to me to to put that. Oh, here's so many Forbes. Willow's end credits music is truly atrocious. An insult to all that is good and holy. Okay, I'm not that angry about it. So on uh, the Forbes website here. Um, there's a scene in the new Disney Plus fantasy series when Willow says to a slow-learning pupil, Alora Dannon, that he knows magic is buried deep inside her. Very deep, he says with a grimace. Does that mean he's about to rape her? What <laughs> That's how I feel about Jonathan Kasdan's sequel series of the wonderful 88 Ron Howard film created by George Lucas. Willow wasn't a huge hit at the time, but it combined all the good bits of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and won over the hearts of a cult following, myself included. And I gotta say, I'm a fan. Um, I know I speak for many, or a small niche group of super fans when I say this, but I was more excited for Willow than just about any other TV show this year, including The Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Um, which I can say that I guess that's true for me as well. Uh, although I was really stoked, more stoked, I guess, for Andor. Not gonna lie. Um, there's a good TV show buried inside Willow, very deep. <laughs> One of the most striking and obvious problems with the show is its bizarre choice of tone. 
Half the cast is compromised of glib teenagers cracking bad jokes that feel straight off the CW. The dialogue is bogged down with bizarre modern vernacular and phrases like, You're not the boss of me, princess. It's extremely off-putting, and nowhere in is the tonal calamity more apparent than in the end credits music. Modern rock songs kick on as the final scene fades and the credits roll. I don't know about you, but when I'm watching epic fantasy, I no more enjoy hearing the word uh, like used in its modern usage. She was like this totally like gorgeous princess than I do hearing this directly after a massive character reveal. Oh, Laura Dannon is back. She was hidden away for 20 years to protect her from the forces of evil, and now guess who's back? A little on the nose much. Who's your audience here, Willow Producers? This feels like some Disney daytime teen comedy drama. More than a return to the adventures of Willow and Mad Mardigan. Back then, James Horner's score was one of the best of his best ever, rivaling anything in Star Wars. Horner based the Willow theme song on uh, Mary Stonky Lee, a Bulgarian harvest song. When Omni Music released the 350-page score for Willow, it included on its back cover the description of Horner's process for scoring the film, and I'm not going to go that far into this. Uh, which yeah they do have a score at times but it's weird then to like mix in with like Metallica and stuff again I don't feel quite as strongly as this fella writing the article but I'm not getting paid to write an article either I feel like if I was getting paid to write an article on it I'd probably have more maybe I'd I'd lean into it more <laughs> um yeah it's fucking weird it's just kind of weird i I don't think it's quite necessary. But again, the the covers are not bad. The covers are not bad. They got some decent covers in there. Just going to say. So it's, I don't know, I I feel weird about it. It, it seems out of place. And it takes me out of, out of the element. You know, I want to forget that I'm watching TV and just like, get really wrapped up in the story. And it just kind of takes me out of it. When I'm watching Sorcerers and, and all this shit. Uh, it is very much, it is very strange how they went with these younger characters and the time that passed, they didn't have to go. They could have just gone in real time and done the, you know, 30, whatever years it's been since the original and had these characters a little bit older and stuff like Laura Dan would, should be in her fucking thirties somewhere, not 20. Um, and, uh, but they decided to go with like a 20 year gap in time so they could have the young adult series. I feel like it's, they're trying to go hunger games with it. You know, it's very much like that. It is an entertaining show though. I feel like it's just a weird, I guess they didn't think there was enough fans of the original film that uh of the older generation that it's gonna get enough eyes on the screen get enough views enough clicks and you know what we need a young adult thing this willows willows our best bet for that <laughs> uh and yeah they've they've gone for that it's it's an odd choice it's an odd choice I figure, you know, they could have gone Game of Thrones. A lot of the characters in that are, you know, it's not all about following teenagers. It could have been <laughs> or people in their early 20s. You could have had 
just people of all ages. You didn't need to mainly follow these kids, basically. <clears throat> As it is, that's that's where we were. The original film wasn't like that, you know? I don't know how old Warwick, well, Warwick Davis was fairly young at the time. He was still in his 20s. Um, Val Kilmer was probably in his 30s-ish. And, you know, Kevin Pollack, I don't know how old he was at the time. But I didn't. I don't get the young adult feel from the original film. But there wasn't, I guess back then there wasn't really young adult films. You didn't have, I mean, maybe The Outsiders? You consider that? Sort of? <laughs> just because of the age of everybody? Everybody was just, you know, super young during that time. All those people that would go on to be just big actors. You had Peace Ways, you know, St. Patrick Swayze. St. Patrick. Fucking uh, Charlie Sheen was in it, even though he's not really a big star anymore. Um, he's just kind of known as a creeper, and there was the whole uh, I don't know AIDS thing. He's he's had a lot of scandal over the years. The Tiger's Blood shit went all crazy, and then uh, of course, uh, I mean, there were just so many people. And Ralph fucking Macho, the Karate Kid before he was Karate Kid. At least I think that was before Karate Kid. Don't quote me on that. See Thomas Howell. I mean, that guy is a, just a huge star now, right? Didn't he? Uh, <laughs> what's the? He did that blackface movie where it was uh, abusing the affirmative action in college, where he went, he got into college for free by painting himself black. There was a uh, something brother. What was the? <laughs> fucking, I don't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah. Of course, he's not really a big big star these days but back in the day how blackface um i wonder if <laughs> yeah it was him that did the blackface soul man that's right <laughs> oh man soul man remember that's just a bad film here he is <laughs> painted black. Uh, this is on the today.com, their website. This is a revisiting Soul Man, the controversial comedy starring a white man in blackface. Uh, it was no Tropic Thunder. Robert Downey Jr., that is the best blackface I've ever seen in film. Um <laughs> Uh, see here, the 1986 comedy went for laughs and tried to make a point in the process, but was met with plenty of resistance. Seems preposterous and inconceivable today, a comedy about a wealthy white student so desperate to attend Harvard that he pretends to be black in order to earn a scholarship after his father elects not to pay his way. That, however, is exactly the premise of the 86 film Soul Man. Oh man, look at the pictures of him. It's like, yeah, that's uh, something. <laughs> uh, in this movie, see Thomas Howell, an '80s teen idol who'd previously starred in The Outsiders, E.T. I forgot he was in E.T. and Red Dawn, another great fucking '80s film, plays Mark Watson, who poses as a black man in order to get scholarship. Uh, he spends the lion's share of the film in blackface. <laughs> Learning along the way what it's like to be black while falling in love with a black student played by Radon Chong. 
who of course she was in a bunch of stuff during the 80s um uh who he is devastated to discover would have gotten the scholarship if it wasn't for him see i've forgotten that part of the the plot <laughs> it's a ludicrous and unacceptable idea today but one that made it to the big screen in 86 with a finished project that chong stands by to this day um, I'm very, 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 very proud of it, Chong told today. I love this movie. It's beautiful. I think it's a gorgeous film. I don't feel any sense of anything negative about it. I think it's absolutely adorable and super funny. Oh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was in it. I, shit, I haven't seen Soul Man since, you know, probably at least the 90s. Um, the movie directed by Steve Miner and written by Carol Black, who would go on to create The Wonder Years, love it, and Ellen... Generated controversy with uh, which Chong says hurt its performance at the box office, even though she believes the film is not racist. I recently saw the movie and it was just dreamy and I like the message, she said. Uh, there are several scenes in which Mark experiences what it's like to be black. There is a repeated gag in which two students laugh over jokes about black stereotypes. Mark catches them multiple times throughout the movie and when they apologize after noticing him near them, he grows increasingly agitated with them. At first, he shrugs it off. At the end of the movie, he slugs both of the men. The joke is supposed to be on the other unfair perceptions white people have about black people highlighted again in a scene featuring then-President Reagan's son, Ron. When two captains uh, bicker over who gets to have Mark on their team during a pickup basketball game, <laughs> with them mispronouncing his name to the more black-sounding Marcus and Washington, the players are all then shell-shocked when they discover Mark stinks at basketball, shattering a stereotype. It's because he's not really black. <laughs> How else are you going to learn about anything unless you walk in another man's shoes, you know, Chong asked. Soul Man came out the same year. Acclaimed black director Spike Lee burst on the scene with She's Gotta Have It and five years before John Singleton debuted with Boys in the Hood. Yeah, that was a totally different films right there. Than Soul Man. Um, uh, it was right at the point when other black filmmakers were coming up and making more black content, Chong said. What happens in Hollywood, or I feel historically what was happening at the time was that a lot of filmmakers that would have made a film like Soul Man, they saw that these other guys were coming up and making films, and they went, great, we don't have to worry about that content. Uh, Lee himself blasted the movie. Look at this kind of... Uh, I guess they referring to Spike Lee, um, which I would imagine he would not enjoy this. Uh, look at the kind of movies Hollywood makes now, like this awful soul man about the white kid passing as black to get into law school. He told the LA Times in August of 86 before the film was released. That movie's just an attack on affirmative action, which it is. That's all. That girl's uh, card has been revoked from the sisterhood for doing that stupid movie. So shit, she could have been in a Spike Lee movie. That probably would have been huge for her. Chong, who said she once cornered Lee at an award show, believes he was out of line. He tends to be a party pooper if anybody else is on the scene, and he was coming up, and he's an ankle biter, she said, and that was one of the ways that he got attention was to attack and pull down people which is really sad. To be honest, because he's talented, he didn't have to do that. Lee was hardly alone in the disdain for Soul Man. Then NAACP President Benjamin Hooks called the comedy a cheaply made cynical viewpoint of black involvement in American life. And yeah, it's, oh, it just keeps going on. There's 
the the movie's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's painting in blood. The whole premise. I don't think I. I don't feel like I need to go back and watch Soul Man. I, I I don't know that I really need to read that article. Um, I guess you know, Ray Dawn Chong has to believe she she likes it though. I mean, she was she got paid to do it. <clears throat> but uh, it's not the most. I mean, there's I guess some good lessons in there that he finds out kind of what it feels like to be black because he painted himself up black. The best I've ever seen, though, with that sort of humor is, I mean, Tropic Thunder is amazing, but uh, Eddie Murphy, SNL, painting himself up white. If you can find that on YouTube, that's fantastic. He just, uh, which shit, I guess I could, I could look that up. I don't know if they have that on their YouTube or not, on the SNL's YouTube. Um, but it was, of course, when Eddie Murphy was on SNL, so this was, was that early 80s? Was like 80, 81 he joined there? I'm sure. He was only on, he wasn't on there for very long, but he was a huge stand-up at that time. Eddie Murphy, party all the time. Oh, so good. No, I didn't. My computer is being a uh, pain in the ass. Um, ooh, white like me skit. That's what it's called. Or I think. That's what people search for. Oh, here we go. Oh, I got to play this. This is like the best, you know, I think the audio will give you a good feel. Of it. It's it's definitely better with video, but, I, you know, I can interject with it. But he's going to paint himself up white here. Here we go. Let's, hopefully there's not a commercial at the beginning of this. And there's, oh, there's an ad, a survey, rather. It's, uh, I can skip that. Here we go. This is. You know, a lot of people talk about racial prejudice, and some people have gone so far as to say that there are actually two Americas, one black and one white. But talk is cheap. So I decided to look into the problem myself, firsthand, to go underground and actually experience America as a white man. I hired the best makeup people in the business. If I was going to pass as a white man, everything had to be perfect. Mm, I think that's a little light. Okay, let's try this. Trying different this mustache. One, I look kind of Harry Reems-ish. Mm, I like it. I study for my role very carefully. I watch lots of Dynasty. <laughs> see? See how they walk? Their butts are real tight when they walk. They gotta keep their butts tight. I gotta remember to keep my, my butt real tight when I walk. And I read a whole bunch of Hallmark cards. Only one. You always mean lots more to me than you could ever guess, for you have done so much to fill my life with happiness. Finally, I was ready. <laughs> You can definitely tell he's in white face. It's, uh, the, the makeup crew would do a lot better now, I would think. He is walking very tight ass. 
Store. What are you doing? I'm buying this newspaper. That's all right. There's nobody around. Go ahead, take it. White guy take behind it. the counter. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, don't pay for it. You're white. <laughs> yeah, take it. Slowly I began to realize <laughs> that when white people are alone, they give things to each other for free. Oh, I forgot about him riding the bus. There was only one other black man on the bus. He got off on 45th Street. Throw a party. They're all dancing now. <laughs> I need to ride the bus, man. Shit. What's going on? They're serving drinks. Sitting on his lap. The problem was much more serious than I'd ever imagined. Now let me oh, get the this bank. straight, He's Mr. Going to the bank uh, Mr. White. You'd like to borrow $50,000 from my bank, but you have no collateral. You have no credit. You don't even it's have a black guy ID. Talking to him. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> Mr. White, I'm sorry. This is not a charity. This is a business. Uh, Harry, why don't you... Uh, take your break now. I'll take care of uh, Mr. White. Mr. White. <laughs> okay. Now the white guy's taking Thanks, over. <laughs> that was a close but one. <laughs> we don't have to bother with these formalities, do we, Mr. Tearing White? contract. <laughs> what a silly Negro. He looks a lot like Just Geraldo when he's painted up white. you want, Mr. White. Pay us back any time or don't. We don't care. Just laid out a ton of cash. At least thousands of dollars there. Tell me, do you know of any other banks like this in this area? So what did I learn from all of this? Well, I learned that we still have a very long way to go in this country before all men are truly equal. But I'll tell you something. I got a lot of friends. And we've got a What's lot of What's his brother makeup. Charlie? The late, great so Charlie Murphy. next Murphy. time you're hugging up with some really super groovy white guy, or you met a really great, super keen white chick, don't be too sure. They might be black. classic sketch man that is fantastic I'm pretty sure that's his brother Charlie it's hard to tell the video quality is you know not the greatest but that looks like Charlie Mur Charlie Murphy <laughs> fucking love Charlie Murphy it's a damn shame he's no longer around he was like the best part of the Chappelle show I think like that's uh, 
Charlie motherfucking Murphy. Yeah, somebody says like he does look like Ned Flanders. I I did do see that, but there's either Ned Flanders or Geraldo Rivera. It's definitely uh definitely got to be somewhere in there. It somebody did say Geraldo, but it definitely looks like Geraldo. And somebody else noticed Charlie as well. I I'm, I'm not crazy. It looks like Char- Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Oh, it would have been great to hang out with Charlie and Eddie back in the day. Just hearing them talk about playing, or Charlie talking about playing basketball with Prince and everything. Holy shit. That was, again, the greatest part of the Chappelle show was the Charlie Murphy stories. When he was talking about Rick James and fucking Prince. Just the best shit. Fucking Charlie Murphy. Ah. Ah, Charlie Murphy. Ah. I'd forgotten how how great Charlie Murphy was. Just seeing that little glimpse of him. Fan. Fantastic. Oh, anyway, yeah. Going back to Christmas, going back a little bit further as we were talking about it. It's it is it's good to to have it here and I've had a little bit of money to be able to get some gifts, so that's that's a change of pace for me. I'm not used to that. Uh but uh I'm uh, going to have some cake balls, hopefully, tomorrow. My my Aunt Sherry's balls. I'm going to put her balls in my mouth. <laughs> hopefully the red velvet. I like the red velvet one she makes. There's, I think she made a salted caramel that was pretty pretty delish as well. Got to have those salty balls. Um, I did pick up some wine for the uh, that, too. And uh, we can play Rob Your Neighbor and such. I need to, I guess I need to get a tree. I mean, it seems like I'm going to be living here for a while since, you know, I do have a mortgage and all. And I, as of right now, I can afford to pay it. So <laughs> seems like I'll be in the penthouse a while. I guess I could put up a tree. Um, I, if I do, though, the, I mean, I, it's a little late now this this year, but maybe next year I'll put up a tree. I'm thinking Fox, Agent Fox Mulder is really going to attack the shit out of the tree, especially when I'm not home. I don't know how I'd prevent that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to put a whole lot of ornaments on it, too. I've only really got one ornament, too, and it's made from uh, volcanic ash from Mount St. Helens, which is a really cool ornament, but it's really delicate, and, and I'm thinking he would fucking break it. Just have, have a feeling on that. He likes to play with stuff, you know? And uh, maybe I'd have to put the tree in some kind of special place that's got some kind of fox <laughs> fox containment unit around it that prevents him from going through it. Like a real door. <laughs> maybe I could put it in the cabinet. I just get like a real small one and put it up in the, one of the cabinets when I'm not, not home. And then when I'm out, it's like, yeah, I'll put out the tree. Out the tree, plug it in. Just big enough to have a couple of ornaments on it. Just bring it out. Maybe have it on wheels. Put it, Keep it in the closet, you know, have it on wheels. Wheel it out. <laughs> that might work. That could That could possibly do. I don't know. I should have something. Maybe at least get some stockings. One for myself and one for Fox. 
Cause he was man, he was pretty excited when I did get him the brand new Troy toy today. Uh, Troy. Why was I gonna say Troy? <laughs> I got him a. <laughs> I got him a Trojan horse from the <laughs> Battle of Troy. That's what. That's what it was. No. Uh, I went to uh, PetSmart. Or Petco. Fuck, I forget. I guess that's Petco. The one I usually go to. Um, I went to Petco and uh, I was kind of saddened by their toy line today. I feel like maybe I would have been better off at PetSmart. But uh, their toy game, it seems like now there's just, now that pot's legal (laughs) pretty much everywhere in the U.S. And in Missouri, it will be here shortly. I guess in January or February, it actually goes into effect. uh, Being legal, uh, I mean, it was medicinal, now it's just just do it, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's the Nike of drugs now. Um, but since I guess there's more people out and about being out with the the being a pothead, since you know you don't have to, shouldn't have to worry about much prosecution unless you uh, I guess have a, a lot of it, and uh, that maybe the federal government comes after you for intent to distribute or something. I'm not sure about the laws on it, but uh, it seems like cat toys are just like <laughs> being sold to stoners now. All of it's like uh, meowana, as they call it, and they have the uh, catnip in it. But it's like all the toys. And they used to have their like more involved toys with stuff. I was able to find one that was kind of cool, but... Uh, Although I find when I buy more expensive toys for Fox, he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so I'm better off buying, like, the $2 toy. And he's like, whoa, this is amazing. Tears it up immediately, but, man, he thinks it's amazing. Um, But I got him a little one that uh, you put batteries in. It's got little brushes on the bottom, and it, of course, moves. And, uh, like, spins in circles, and you hit it, it goes the other direction and stuff. Looks like kind of like a, a bug in a way. It's got an LED light on it, but unfortunately the LED's not working, but he doesn't seem to care. He just (laughs) likes attacking the damn thing because it moves. Um, It was only like 10 bucks, so it, it, the light not working is enough for me to bother going back and be like returning it for another one. Um, But, uh. But yeah, he seemed to love it. I told him I had a Christmas present for him when I came home today, and he was, meow, 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 and he would not leave me alone as I'm getting the out of the bag, and the packaging on it, like holy shit, are they <laughs> really concerned? I don't know. Is that is do pet shops have a lot of problems with people stealing cat toys? I mean, it could be a thing. I mean, even poor people probably have cats. I mean, I knew I've been poor. Yeah, we <laughs> poor people have cats. I mean, you can get a cat just by opening up your door and letting them in. <laughs> Doesn't take much to get a cat. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, you know, maybe there's a problem with a lot of theft from cat toys, but I felt that the packaging on this toy seemed a bit overkill. <laughs> a bit overkill for a ten dollar toy. It was insane. I I almost cut through my hand cutting into the package. It was it was dangerous, man. Either way, I got in there. But it, the whole time I'm I'm opening it up, he would not leave me alone. He's just losing his fucking mind already. He's just, he probably thought it was food, though, to be honest. 
And when I got it open, then I had to find a screwdriver to uh, open it up to put the batteries in. And that, that was a bit of an effort. And again, still, the cat was losing his mind. And when I finally got batteries in, he was still kind of excited to attack the toy. So that was fun. So at least I, I did get one good reaction out of a, a Christmas present. So that's that's pleasant. Um, seems like he's fine with the, the records, too, when I play records. So that works out. It's good that he doesn't freak out over, over uh, music and such. When I lived uh, over Jackman's in the Slapbox Bunker, there was a Doom Kitty was there for the last couple of years I was there. And, man, that cat would flip out on any sound. Um, he, if I wanted him to get out of my room, which I would let him in there sometimes. And I was totally fine with him being in there, but it was weird because when you pet him a bunch, he'd start drooling all over you. And I was like, ah, oh, and it was like his saliva was very weird. It was very slimy and like you couldn't just like, it wouldn't just like dry on its own. Like you had to like wash it off. Like it was fucking weird. And he would just like, almost like he was, orgasming out of his mouth like he was jizzing out of his mouth <laughs> and uh I'd get on you and like I, I was cool with petting him he was a very loving cat and stuff but then like when he started doing that like okay this is fucking weird you gotta get out of here <laughs> I can't take that anymore the jizzing out of the mouth only goes so far with me sorry buddy and uh but if I wanted him out, I could just, like, play a note on the guitar and he'd lose his mind. Like, fuck, ah, I'm scared. Is any any kind of sound would would uh, scare the shit out of him. And, you know, his name's Doom Kitty. You'd think he would be the one scaring the shit out of people. But, no, it's quite the opposite. Scared of ceiling fans. You name it. The cat's, like, like a ceiling fan must have really done something to him at one point. Fox, though, no, he's not scared of shit. He's lost a leg, and he's not scared of shit. Uh, still don't know how he lost it. He's still mum on that. He will not tell me. Um, and I just had flashbacks of watching this uh, Netflix show right before uh, recording. I think it's called Don't Answer the Phone. I haven't watched the whole series yet, just like uh, the most of the uh, first episode, and it's it's an interesting series. It's a true crime dealio, and uh, I guess it takes place mainly over a 10-year period, or maybe more. Um, it's like 94 or 96, something of that nature, to like 2004, 2006. It's like a 10-year span, from what I understand. Maybe it goes long longer. I'm not sure. But... Uh, there was at least one individual that was going around calling restaurants all over the U.S. pretending to be a police officer and getting the like managers to strip search one of their employees. And like the first girl they talk about actually did more than just a strip search. Actually, uh, had. <laughs> this guy that was the fiance of the, the manager, like the, the guy pretending to be the cop actually convinced the manager to uh, get a, a male friend that she trusted to watch her while she was like managing the, the restaurant. And he got this guy to force her to this teenage girl to fucking blow him. And, uh, 
obviously, <laughs> apparently this guy was all a big churchgoer and stuff and big in the community and stuff. The guy that uh, had the girl blow him. And uh, before it even led up to that, the BJ was like, I mean, he's like spanking her and doing all kinds of shit. Well, uh, just the normal restaurant stuff, Mickey D's going on outside. It's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. But apparently this happened at more than just one place. And like, it's amazing to think that there's people could like listen to somebody over the phone and go, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I need to strip this girl down because she stole a necklace. And I'm going to spank her because that's going to help me somehow. And you know what? Sticking my dick in her mouth, that's obviously going to solve this situation. Which I'm thinking this guy that, that at least the uh, fiancé that uh, had the oral sex, uh, non-consensual, I would say, oral sex with this young girl, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to venture to guess he, you know, in the moment, like, oh, yeah, he... He probably knew, like, oh, this is definitely not a cop. <laughs> and it, at that point, just like, I mean, he had to want to go along with it by that point. I, you know, apparently this happened like hundreds of times. I don't know if it went, how far along it went with each phone call. Again, I'm only in on the first episode. But after he got the blowjob too. the guy. I mean, took off. He knew he was like, Oh fuck. I just, I just fucking raped this poor young girl. Um, this is a problem. <laughs> and there was another one. I, this girl worked at a pizza place and the manager had forced this girl to strip down. Cause, uh, this cop on the phone said that she had stolen $50 from, uh, some kind of, employee this was in like 99 or so and didn't say her name either just like gave like a vague description that she didn't really match and yet the manager is being told by this cop over the phone to like strip search her get her down naked and everything and goes along with it and then thankfully though a friend of hers uh i believe the guy's name was derek comes in and it's like, hey, what the fuck? Because, uh, like, uh, they were getting backed up because nobody would, uh, at least she was a waitress, I guess. And she was uh, uh, underage, too. She was a minor. And uh, stuff wasn't, you know, I've worked in restaurants before. It's been a long time. But, yeah, it sucks when you're down a person and you get busy. Shit, you know, there's all kinds of problems. But he comes in, he's like, what the fuck, man? Where's, what's going on? He asks the cook. He's like, oh, they're in the office. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. So he goes into the office, and the manager's got this girl fucking naked in there. And he's like, dude, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and then the manager tells him what's up. Oh, got to give her a strip search. This cop's, you know, saying we got a strip searcher for this $50. Like, what cop is going to fucking... When is that ever a thing? Like, a cop that, to call you on the phone, like, oh, you've got to strip search this person. Why wouldn't they send somebody out to just fucking interrogate this person, you know, or whatever, search for the money? They're not going to fucking... Or like 50 bucks, too. That's a misdemeanor. It's not like... Uh, as long as it's under $500, it's a fucking misdemeanor. Like, that's not worth going through the trouble of, like, strip searching someone and all of that. 
And uh, but thankfully, the guy at the pizza place, when he came in, uh, he took the phone. And he's, you know, what the fuck? There's like no, like this isn't right. Like you, you're gonna tell me like you're a real cop. You like this? You can't have a fucking minor be strip searching a minor inside a restaurant. And then he's like, uh, we need to get the real cops here. And uh, then the guy hung up. And that manager uh, is now the CEO of that shit. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened to that manager. Hopefully he got fired. Being a fucking jackass. <laughs> but apparently this happened all over and people would go along with these managers. Like, who the f- who the fuck? You're really going to listen to somebody just over the phone. Like, you can't see any... They didn't even flash a fake badge on you or anything like that. It's just somebody over the phone. I don't know. Somebody that's, you know, like myself that's worked in radio, I guess, and done podcasting for a long time and know, you know, how easy it is to fool somebody, I guess, with a fucking voice. Like, I would hope that if somebody called me and told me they were a cop (laughs) and started to tell me, of course, the cop didn't just come out, right, like strip this girl naked and... You know, stick your dick in her mouth. It was over the course of, I guess, an hour or two. And then slowly worked the way into it. Like, oh, you got to check the clothes and all of that. Like, uh, I would hope that I would not fall for something like that. But apparently a lot of people did. A lot of people did. It's almost, I wonder, is this guy a scientist? Is he just fucking with people to see? This is like the German experiments to see that how many people would... Uh, kill people if they were told to do it. Like uh, there was, I don't remember, I'm sure there's been a lot of testing on that, but I know they've had uh, psychological tests on people to see if they would randomly just kill people if told to over the course of a long period of time working their way up to it. You know, you press this button and this person dies. You can hear them in the other room. I don't know if like killing them, but, you know, hurting them, but giving them pain. But there's been a lot of exercise with that, you know, because all the Germans just did as they were told, went along and did it. But I would, man, just one person, like, over the phone. (laughs) Like, really? Who the fuck? (laughs) I would hope I'd be like, who the fuck is this? Maybe if I was young, like a teenager or something, answered the phone. Not just, not that I was, like, super dumb, but I was, you know, ah. just not very confident, and if I, I guess somebody talked to me, I could see maybe. But me in my let's say late twenties and beyond, I can't imagine. <laughs> I would have somebody on the phone telling me that and be like, "Fuck you!" These people, these managers, are older, from what I understand. You think that they'd they'd know a little bit more, be a little bit more advanced, but apparently not. Apparently not. Duh. Pretty interesting. I'm interested to see if they actually catch the person in the end. Which I'm sure a quick Google search would ruin that for me. Um, but I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to let it play out. We'll see where it, where it takes me. Um, but yeah. So I guess that's really all I got. Is uh, I feel like I could just keep talking tonight. Except for my voice is kind of getting all scratchy and everything. I don't think it's probably a good idea for me to talk for hours. So yeah, 
Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and uh, Happy Hanukkah, and all that stuff. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. And as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.